Hey everybody, just a heads up that this episode features some cursing, so keep that in mind and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rake every story from A to Z. I'm Zach, and Adam doesn't seem to be around, but Cerebro's Connor Goldsmith, what are you doing here? Oh my goodness, Zach, I just thought that on this fine Wednesday, Thursday, it's a Thursday, it's a on Thursday this fine now. Thursday <laughs> evening, I might spend a little time with you. Uh, I've lost track now of the days of the week because I'm back to work Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a rude awakening when I opened my email inbox and I was like, oh, right, I have a job that I have to do. So (laughs) I've just kind of been buried, but I was excited to do this because we've been talking about this one for a while. We have been. Uh, We uh, In the past, we've done some episodes that have been up your alley in terms of things that you have talked about uh, on mm-hmm. your well, you've, podcast. You've reached Serena. out about characters you know I like. So we talked about Emma. We talked about Betsy and Conan. It has been a logical character-focused progression, but this is going to be a little different. Yeah, we went the complete opposite direction here and said, wait, what don't you talk about on mm-hmm. Cerebro, the X-Men podcast for people who don't know that you host? It's a great show, goes real deep into characters. I think the latest one that's come out is a four and a half ep- hour episode about Jubilation Lee Correct. Uh, with Jason Liu, uh, which is low. Low, he's, Jason Low. excuse he started, me. No, he never used to care, but during COVID, he was like, I'm going to tell everyone how it should be pronounced. It is pronounced low, even though it's L-O-O. I, I said it wrong about 700 times on the podcast and apologized to him at the beginning of the Jubilee episode. And he was like, it's totally fine. You are far from the first person to make that mistake. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad glad I'm in good company in making that mistake. But no, it's... Uh, it's a great show. People should go check that out if they are interested in this. Uh, but you mostly focus on character histories, which tend to be in one universe. Yeah, my show focuses on Earth 616, as I call it, uh, stubbornly. Very the stubbornly. The prime Marvel Earth. And that's because, quite honestly, it becomes too sprawling if I start to incorporate alternate realities and things like that. The only exception has been occasionally I do need to talk about Age of Apocalypse because there are certain characters whose trajectories as characters in the 616 reality are impacted by the way that they were written in Age of Apocalypse. Hank McCoy is a great example. After the popularity of Dark Beast in the Age of Apocalypse, the question of could Hank McCoy become that person is something a lot of writers started to play with. And yet no one asks if Cyclops could become a, you know, like fascist cop. No one one brings up that question. I would argue Brian Michael Bendis asked that question, actually. I would argue that Brian Michael Bendis asked that question and then said, no, he wouldn't. 
Well, right. But, but like, it was, I do feel like the rogue revolutionary X-Men thing mm-hmm. that Bendis did was informed a little bit by the Scott and Emma of Age of Apocalypse, actually. That is an interesting take and one that I have not thought of, largely because I came in or came back into comics really with that run. So it was a fresh thing for me and I wasn't thinking of the past at the time. It's so not it's, something I would have thought about until you just said that. And now I'm like, because I don't think about Age of Apocalypse that much, but now I'm sure. kind of tinkering with it. And, you know, the Battle of the Atom storyline with all the time travel is not unlike Age of Apocalypse in certain ways also. So I think that there's, you know, Days of Future Past is the big X-Men time travel story, but then Age of Apocalypse is the other big dystopian X-Men story. And I think that they both loom super large over pretty much every other story in that vein that X-Men does, be it Cable's timeline or Bishop's timeline or whatever else. Yeah, they are the, they are, they are the, or example, I mean, just you knew what Age of Apocalypse was. It was a big deal when it was coming out. It kept echoing throughout the franchise ever since. Uh, and it's got those it's got those very good 90s designs that everybody looks really cool, except yes. the people who look really stupid. But like yeah. even the people who look really stupid kind of look cool. Also, Like, does Magneto have ridiculous hair? Oh, yes. ridiculous. I love it, though. But does that sort of predict joseph in an interesting way a hundred and fifty percent like that's the thing there's a lot of stuff here that then bleeds into the real reality not even to get into of course your beloved nate gray the immigrant from one reality to the next or the dark beast and the sugar man who both make it through holocaust briefly pops in or blink who becomes the lead of exiles because she was so popular in age right. of apocalypse. There's a there's a it's hard to understate the impact that Age of Apocalypse had. It was in a lot of ways the last bastion of like the big 90s X-Men before things go pretty far off the rails. I think it's the last time that X-Men is genuinely like good until yes. Grant Morrison. And that's yes. not to say that there aren't good moments in Siegel and Kelly. That's not to say that there aren't a couple late 90s stories that I like. But It's a mess. It's a huge fucking mess. I'm sorry. I just remembered. I can't swear on your podcast. Uh, but you're going to make Adam hit the bleep button on the edit on he this? He bleeped it's... me on tits the first time no, I was on the show. No, I bleeped you on and... tits the first time you were on the oh. show. Well, I still think that was a little excessive. You can say tits on network television. Can you? Um, I don't watch network television. I don't know. Well, I'm just saying, if you turn on NCIS, I guarantee they can say tits on it in prime time. Is NCIS still going on? I've never seen an episode, but my understanding is yes. Oh, good. Good for that one goth chick. I don't think she's on anymore. Polly Perrette, the world's oldest goth, is no longer on... That's what Julie Klausner calls her because they got into a feud on Twitter once. <laughs> that is that is <laughs> both very uh, funny and also the only NCIS character I know. Who would yeah. have thought a JAG spinoff was going to do so well? I okay. know. Justice for Catherine Bell. When does JAG get a revival? Anyway, <laughs> Unfortunately, this is this is not this is not this a is JAG not, podcast. It is not. Uh, it is a podcast where we're going to talk about 
all the Age of Apocalypse stories that we haven't talked about yet. We are finishing up the main oh, main stories. Oh, no. Yeah, not all of them. <laughs> I said main. <laughs> I said main. We haven't I'm done Chronicles. Not, we're not doing we Kirika. Done. We're not, I'm not doing that Oh, stuff. we've already done the... that. We've already oh, done. Oh, good. God bless you. Oh, listen, listen. Unlike you, I have some fond thoughts about parts of Uncanny X-Force. So I enjoy... Sure. Some of that content. I like the Apocalypse Solution or whatever it's called. The first mm, arc. Yeah. That one's fine. There's a lot. To this. Again, we're not talking about that story. We're going to start by talking about Factor X. Uh, mm-hmm. This was written by John Francis Moore with pencils uh, and art by Steve Epting and Terry Dodson. Al Milgram jumps in there. This was the book spinning or what X Factor became. Yes, and it's in- Linus Oliver, the goat, is on colors for this, I should note, which I sometimes don't even realize that she was doing colors into the 90s, but she was. Listen, more power to Glennis Oliver for literally everything. Oh, Under, yeah. Underrated in terms of her well, People don't think about it. colorists, particularly in old comics. They just right. don't think about it. But she is just as much a part of that classic Claremont and Byrne look as... Mm-hmm. John Burton himself, you know? Right. So Factor anyway. X is Factor X is a weird one because this is, well, X Factor was the government team. Factor yes. X also becomes- Also is the government team, but it's Apocalypse's evil government. It's somehow making the US government seem like the wise, sensical choice uh, to I work know. for in comparison. The thing that's really weird about it is, so for people who aren't familiar, Age of Apocalypse is a storyline in 1995 where the whole line got canceled abruptly. And every writer who was on one of the X-Men titles, of which at this point there were many, wrote a four-issue miniseries that had a similar but different title and that was set in this alternate dystopian earth where Charles Xavier was murdered before he could start the X-Men, which compelled Magneto to start the X-Men in his place. And because of the butterfly effect of that, Apocalypse has risen to power and become an absolute dictator exterminating humans in America. He rules the whole country. This is not the Apocalypse from Ten of Swords that people like. This Right. This this is is other, other guy. And he's barely in it. He really is just the bad he's, guy. He's an idea in Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. He's not He's a small factor in one of the books. That's I it. I mean, the thing about Apocalypse is that until Jonathan Hickman and Teeny Howard, I he don't wasn't think good. he's He wasn't a good character. A good story, except for maybe that first one that Wheezy and Walt did. Yeah, which Fall is of mostly you. a good, I mean, that's a good Warren story more than it it's is. A, it's a he is a character being drawn by Walt Simonson. Yeah, he yeah, that's gonna be in great. This and he's cool looking, but like that's it, really. And then he was just in a series of successively worse and worse stories for the next 25 <laughs> years until uh suddenly Jonathan and Teeny made lemonade out of those lemons. But uh this is not this is his high point. Otherwise, it's just it that really he, is. he really just is a presence and a, an idea more than he is a character. He'll pop up occasionally to be like, oh, my minions, you know, but like he doesn't do much. He tries to capture a baby at one point. Well, and isn't very, yeah, but he's not very good at 
things generally. Like no. and he he has the most ineffectual horsemen in this time. I mean, not that they're more effective than the ones in our timeline who always fl- flop. But half of his horsemen defect right as the story starts. Yes, but not Gideon and Kandra, who are horsemen in this reality, because they were really trying to make Gideon and Kandra happen for a hot second. But it's in like the backstory, like Chronicles of Age of Apocalypse. Because he has his horsemen, and then he has his other people that aren't horsemen, but are really like his four rulers. It's a, there's a lot of mess. Because it's in Abyss this. and Holocaust and Sinister. Sinister and Mikhail Rasputin. And Mikhail Rasputin, but then it's also Sabretooth who defected. Sabretooth defected at one point. And Gideon and Kendra. I think that he had like five horsemen. It's really stupid because it's like what titles did they each? I mean, maybe one was Conquest and one was Pestilence. It doesn't really matter. Don't worry about it, guys. We're the, we're, we're we're assuming a lot we're more now thought. We're no prizing a lot here that we don't need to know prize. But yes, Factor X. What's weird about this one to go back is that. John Francis Moore is on X Factor for a very, very brief period. This is after right. Peter David has left the book, but before Howard Mackey takes over the book. And there's a brief, weird period in the middle where it's like Lobdell and then Demetrius and then John Francis Moore for like 10 issues, including Age of Apocalypse. Right. And I I tend to actually really like John Francis more in the 90s. I do too. I think his stuff on X-Force is some of the best X-Men stuff in the 90s. I love that. I am a sucker for 2099. I think it has a lot of really great sure. ideas. It's got Look a lot it. of yeah. interesting mm, sure. concepts. Sure. You're not wrong. <laughs> no, it's... Regardless, I enjoy a John Francis Moore comic. And I think this well, is very 1999 interesting. 1999 informs Age of Apocalypse also, right? Like oh, it's yes. It's a similar dystopian cyberpunk vibe. Abs- it's, it was in the air in, uh, mm-hmm. in the 90s. But this is this is about Sinister's enforcers, really. It's a pair, it's a bunch of families. So it's Cyclops and Havoc are the leaders, Aurora and Northstar, Cannonball and Amazon. We all know that Lizzie Guthrie, who has never manifested her Amazon powers in the 616 reality, but I think she should. At this point, they should she should just be walking around like, oh yeah, there's our tall sister. There's Lizzie, remember her? And it's like, no, she only appeared in a Chuck Austin comic apart from Age of Apocalypse. So, you know. She she is she's in not she the lies with angels. One. She's no, not the that's Joel. Joel's not a mutant. Right. I, I can't keep them all. There's too many Guthries. I'm from Kentucky. I can say this. Guys, too many kids. You did too Condoms, many. Condoms, Lucinda. Listen, she was just doing as the Lord told her. Uh, and we also get the Bedlam Brothers here. Yes, uh, in this is the introduction appearance. of the Bedlam Brothers. In fact, King Bedlam, as he'll be known in the main reality, is called Terry Bedlam here rather than Christopher. And so I think the handbooks made him Christopher Terrence. Like, to that's try my, and make it make sense. That's my favorite way that they try and fix... Uh, but it's the same writer, so I guess he just decided he didn't like Terry. Oh, mate, you know what? I bet Terry it's because was in once X-Force. he's in X-Force, yeah. Terry is Terry Rourke. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do that. He's like, crap, now I got to figure something Shit, else. I didn't even think of that. Right. So so they are, they are working through this, uh, essentially capturing humans and rogue mutants uh, and putting them into terrible experiments for Dark Beast and Mr. Sinister. Yeah, in the breeding pits. It's not a great like place to be for humans. It's the pretty, breeding pits. No, yeah, not it's pretty ideal. terrible. 
Um, this the is breeding a, this pigs is, is more for mutants. Book. I think the kennel is where the humans are. When people do, this, I just had this happen again to me on Twitter. Someone replied to me and was like, "Our Hank has become worse than Dark Beast." I'm like, "Okay, listen, our <laughs> Hank, our Hank is pretty bad, but he hasn't." launched the breeding pits yet so i do yeah. feel like dark beast is still ahead in the atrocities department dark beast gleefully does the worst stuff hank's getting there but again Listen, he's getting there he's breeding getting there pits is he's really getting there with an idea of doing something good where dark beast is like i love evil so much i love having a breeding pit yeah no and several of them in fact because it's plural so uh in yeah, fact it's very it's at a point where Apocalypse is like, I don't even know why you have these things. I'm doing this right. as a favor for you. He wants to shut them down because he's like, these aren't actually that useful to me. And Dark Beast is like, no, I want more horrible rape and murder in my rape and murder pit to be occurring forever. Um, the thing that I guess is worth noting there, too, is that like, as envisioned by the Simonsons, Apocalypse is totally a dark side riff, right? So yeah. this is very apocalypse. Like the way that the breeding pits and the kennels and all that function is very akin to Granny Goodness's stuff. Apocalypse with a K. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. That was from, confusing. You know, yes, we are this in the age Yes, from the, from the new gods. Right. You know, from there, the fourth there came world. a day when the new gods died or the old gods died. It's right, and then the new gods were yada, 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 and, you know, the female furies and all of that. So it's kind of giving that. Um, Factor X is mostly the book about Cyclops and Havoc. It's interesting because Havoc just hates his brother so much from the jump. Hates him. Just comically hates him. But it's because Sinister has raised them in this reality, both of them, from childhood. And as in our main reality, Sinister doesn't have any time for Havoc. That doesn't no. interest him. So instead, it's just been nothing but Scott being the favored child, which is not what happened in our reality where Sinister just, you know, farmed Alex out to a foster family and yeah. focused in on Scott. Here, they're both together, but it's clear to Alex the whole time that he's irrelevant and Scott is the yeah. one who matters. So he's built up this huge well of resentment. And even, even though Alex has a very privileged spot among mutants in this world, it's not as good as Scott's, who is in line to become a horseman, and he just hates it. Right. They're prelates in the mutant elite force, but they're not of exactly the same rank, basically. And when Sinister betrays Apocalypse to pass information to Weapon X, Wolverine in this reality, and Jean Grey... It is Cyclops who is put into Sinister's position by mm -hmm. Apocalypse once Sinister has fled. And that's all happened in X-Men Alpha, the uh, prelude to Age of Apocalypse. Right. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is, as we find out as the series goes along, Cyclops has decided he has had enough of atrocity and would like to do something better with his life for reasons that are, if this wasn't Cyclops, the hero of the X-Men... I think that it would not land as well because I don't think the motivation for him is built in the short time they have as well as it could be. The thing about this being four issues, each one of these titles, is that you have to just take a lot on faith. And with certain characters, 
this is kind of a tricky thing that we'll probably get to more in Excalibur, which mm-hmm. I love, but I know you have more mixed feelings about. Why is Danny Moonstar a full-on psychopath in Excalibur, whereas Cyclops here is more like the Cyclops we know? Yeah. Because Cyclops is an important character in the 90s, in 1995, and Danny Moonstar is not particularly. And that's the answer to that question. So it is a situation where you start to see characters who matter more getting more leeway to have their original personality push through even in this reality when it wouldn't super make sense like why does cyclops feel that he ought to help gene gray and ought to he just feels something he just just does you know he feels like maybe in a different world we could be different and you know what he he rescues gene they start to free the breeding pits and <laughs> God. it's, it's the age of apocalypse is a lot. Age of apocalypse is a lot. It's really good guys. If that's not clear, but like it is, this, it's, it's also like how we've just stopped listening to the comics code. How far can we push this fucking comic is sort right. of the, the we, vibe also. When we talked about uh, the main books, amazing and astonishing, we mentioned how those books actually balanced a lot with humor elements. You have Morph, who's a major character, who is a mm-hmm. slapstick character on that. X Factor is just, or Factor X is all just dark and gritty, and you know the most Warhammer something could be. Yeah, uh, it's there's no fun happening in Factor X. I mean, well, I guess there's Angels Nightclub Heaven where we got like some where, sort where of- he's, he, they do a Casablanca. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't go well for anyone, uh, no. least of all Havoc, who uh, it turns out is having an affair with, and this is a truly insane poll. Oh, Scarlett uh, McKenzie? The lounge singer at Heaven is Scarlett McKenzie from Havoc and Wolverine Meltdown. Love the it. Ner- the nurse who was secretly a Soviet spy who died in that story and... Havoc had fallen in love with her and it's right after Inferno and Wolverine is like, he just went through the whole Madeline thing. So I'm just not going to tell him that she was evil and they just move on with their lives. What's even weirder is that after this story, John Francis Moore has a storyline in like regular X Factor where Scarlett McKenzie is inexplicably back from the dead, but then Howard Mackey doesn't continue it. So it never. I have no memory of that story. She just exists out in the world now. The Marvel where he is telling me that that happened. I. (laughs) There's only only... so much X Factor. I was just looking at 90s X Factor because I uh, am recording the Forge episode this week. So it's uh, that's like the only book where he ever matters after Claremont, particularly. So it's just one of those weird weird books in part because it changed hands so much but yeah so he's having an affair with scarlett mckenzie and over the course of factor x we discovered that she is pregnant which horrifies him because apocalypse has a law against miscegenation between mutants and humans and she's actually a spy for the human high council right so that's unfortunate for havoc because he really just wants to be in charge and that's gonna because 
Cyclops keeps fucking up because he is funneling refugees to Val Cooper, who shows up in a baseball cap and a cat suit to like ferry people. To be fair, it's Cyclops. He's intentionally doing these things. He is he is sabotaging his own operation. Yes, and as and seeing no consequences for it, right? But eventually, Havoc betrays him and is like, "Now I'm in charge." But the Scarlet Mackenzie of it all presents a problem for Havoc because that's the law he's been breaking. They uh, get, they get into a big fight, and then it's like, "Go read Omega." Along the way is the very very strange, in retrospect, Polaris story. Where yeah, that weird one issue. Well, it's the whole point is that in this reality, Polaris is psychotic and has a delusional belief that she is Magneto's daughter, but Dark Beast has been able to emphatically determine that she has no genetic relation to Magneto because at the time, in the status quo of the 90s, that was right. the story. She wasn't, it doesn't make any she sense. She wasn't Magneto's kid until Chuck Austin. Chuck Austin. Chuck Austin was like, no, actually, that's 60 story. We're just going to say, yes, that was actually what happened. To be fair, it's because Grant Morrison has her call him daddy on Genosha in that one issue of New Exodus. We cannot my dad, Grant Morrison. My dad, my dad. And it's, <laughs> Grant Morrison hadn't read any X-Men comics between Gr- Dark Phoenix Saga and when Grant Morrison started writing X-Men. So the idea that... Polaris's parentage was something that Grant should have kept track of. I mean, I was annoyed at the time because I was like, the whole point is she's not Magneto's daughter. But you know what? It all worked out for the best because it yeah. ended up helping her as a character to do that. Especially, I mean, we didn't know at the time that Magneto's other children were going to get retconned out. No, so those seemed up- like those would be sure shots forever <laughs> at the point at the time. So it ended up, yeah. Well, the whole thing in Age of Apocalypse is Wanda's tragic death. Oh yeah, Wanda's tragic. That's death. one of the Pietro's big things that motivates whole... Pietro's in the X Men dating Storm. Yeah, man, that one's weird. which is crazy. That um, Storm Storm does not get the best in Age of Apocalypse. No, no, she well, doesn't Storm... get it bad. She's just there because she's. But Storm the '90s is the '90s is a terrible decade for Storm. Oh, yeah. overall, because she just gets outshined by Cyclops at every possible opportunity in a way that is super annoying, <laughs> frankly. Um, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad time for storm. Yeah. Uh, not a great decade. Claremont's listen, gone and no one knows what to do with her. Listen, she's living her best life. Now we sure we, is. We got, we got storm back. It took 30 years, took 30 uh, years. And listen, all I can hope for my favorite characters is that Al Ewing gets to write them in something because uh, it goes a long way. But it really does. In any case, yeah, I mean, that's Factor X. What else is there really to say about Factor X? It's, I'm looking at my I, notes. I don't, think, I don't think there's much to say about it. And I think what we should do then, Connor, is we should probably rank it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Pull up your, uh, your I, list. I, I've got my list. It's a big list. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw some titles at you and see how you feel about yeah. it. Because we have 735 stories on this list where we are ranking all the X-Men stories from best to worst uh, with the best story being the house of X powers of 10, number 100 being X factor one through six, the longest night 200 being that Dracula issue of uncanny X-Men from the Claremont number 300 being Marvel team up 149. The time cannibal goes to buy a hat 
uh, number 400 being Deadpool Volume 2, number 500 being the first appearance of Adam X the Extreme, number 600 being Gen 13 Gen X, number 700 being Ages of Apocalypse, a story that is unrelated to all of this, and 735 is the Draco. Right. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. We have some Age of Apocalypse stories higher. Like, this is better, I've said, this is better than X-Men. Sure. It's emphatically worse than Gen Next. Where is Gen Next ranked on your Oh, list? Gen Next that's, is like... That's Gen the Next best like Age of Apocalypse 20. mini, yeah. is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I'm just trying to gauge where you ranked that one. No, 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 Gen... Listen, I'm a I'm a I'm a Chris Bachelor guy. Uh Gen Next is always going to be up there. I think we have yeah, we have that at 15. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's really high. Um I'm trying to where, see, see where, where Gambit, is Gambit and, the and the externals. That was my next question. Yeah. Gambit and the externals is down at 164. And I think Gambit and the externals is better than this. It is. But not by a huge percentage like but it is you know what i mean how do you how do you feel about this compared to something like the omega red issues of x-men volume two four through seven with like is that with the soul like the basketball no no that's no 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 right Um, the the first omega red appearance stuff oh right with uh with fenris and shinobi shaw with the great design of omega red and then also the story that's there this is better than that, I think. Okay, okay, we're getting. Unless we're getting, do you disagree? No, I think that's about right. Because uh, the I, art I, in that Omega Red story is gorgeous, but it's incomprehensible. That's the one where they have to. It's about. Is that about the old Weapon X thing? With, yeah, like, the doctor yeah. Who it's, they had it's to part kill. Of, it's part of the time in 1991 where they're going through and everything is about Weapon X now and about Maverick. Like it's right. a big. We're pushing. It is. Maverick. Yeah, it's the Maverick one. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I think that's that's better than this one. Okay, that tells me where I'm looking. Uh, how do you feel about this compared... Okay, this is not as good as number 220 on this list, Power Pack 19, where Power Pack hosts Thanksgiving uh, with all the X-Men and Beta Ray Bill and Franklin Richards. I have no strong opinions on the Thanksgiving Power Pack issue, so I will you take should, for you it. You should... I feel like you would enjoy the Thanksgiving Power Pack. I've read it. I just not in a very long time. You know, I don't like kids. You know what? Fair. Fair. I get it. (laughs) I get that. But there are Power Pack issues I love. I mean, I think that the Mutant Massacre issue of Power Pack is extraordinary. So, you know, there's. How do you feel about this compared to. Actually, I'm going to say a story that I know you don't like as much as I think I do. So that'll give us a good floor here. Sure. Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey. I I would read this 5,000 times before ever reading Phoenix Resurrection again. Okay, this is not as good as Madripoor Knights. No. Uh, I don't think that this is as good as Kitty Pride and Wolverine. At That's at 242. The, the OG Kitty Pride yeah. and Wolverine? Yeah, it's not as good as that. It's not as good as that. Um, I'm, ooh, another John Francis Moore. 251 is the start of the road trip era, where I think that's better than this. That, that is better than yeah. this. Yeah. Is this better than uh, Ultimate X-Men Return of the King? No. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, say that again. Is this better than? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, going down. Uh, Excalibur 51, Don't Drink the Water. I believe that's the dinosaur one. Yeah, that's better than this. Okay. 
We have found the right spot then on this list. How do you feel about this compared to, this is a deep cut, Uncanny X-Men 370 or 353 to 355, the story with Sauron that Steve Siegel does for some reason. Um, I like the... I just love Sauron content, so it's like I kind of prefer that one, but I think this is probably better. Then it's going to go between those two stories. That's where it's at. Okay. AOA Factor X is our new 259. And we're going to That's jump not right bad out of like 800. That's pretty no, good. It's pretty good. So the next, next one we're going to cover, I know, uh, is one that kind of filters in and out of Factor X uh, to an odd mm-hmm. amount. It's Weapon X by Lethal Larry Hama and Adam Kubert. Are you a big Larry Hama Wolverine guy? I know you're not like the biggest Wolverine guy. In so general. here's the thing. I didn't read that much of it as a kid because, yeah, like Wolverine Solo was just not my... But I've read a ton of it now doing Cerebro, and I actually just reread a ton of it because I did the Jubilee episode where, you know, most of her big character development was happening in that book more than in the main X-Men titles, frankly, Um, until Generation X pulls her away. Uh, But here's what I will say. I think Larry Hama's Wolverine is about as good as a 90s solo Wolverine title could possibly be. Does that make sense? You know, like the one real problem I have with it is the fridging of Mariko Yoshida, which I think is egregious. And especially in Lourdes Chantel is the only one that Claremont does a story right. like that with and it's a one-off that character is introduced to die which i do right, think where marco is a pretty marco is like a an ongoing character. character who's been around since the 70s and i think the way she's unceremoniously off to make wolverine cry really sucks that's my one real note about larry hama's wolverine where i'm like that story i don't like pretty much everything else i mean like am i a huge albert and lcd stan no but like insane they're fine, but go off you know I, I mean, I, yeah, I have no problem with them existing. Like, that's fine. Um, I would say this is probably my favorite book called Weapon X. Besides, like, the Barry Windsor Smith Marvel Comics Presents, yeah, okay, which is not so published that. as something. It was, like, a story called Weapon X, but the book's in, not called in Weapon MCP, X. MCP, yeah. Um, yeah, that's um, the most fair a thing could be. Yeah, I don't think. Anyone I mean, like the Greg Pak Weapon X is like fine. I love got, Greg Pak. It's got terrible art in it, and just, also it's inverted saber tooth, which I just simply can't deal with. Like it's the post axis. It's a book where William Stryker from God Loves Man Kills one makes a deal with the devil, which is a weird thing. Two makes a makes a Hulk Wolverine. Yeah, I I hate any story where William Stryker returns after God Loves Man Kills. So, like, even uh, Kyle and Yost's Decimation Young X-Men stuff is, like, not... It, to me, that's the best Academy X ever gets. I'm a noted Academy X non-fan. I am so glad there's another one of us out there. But it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was rough for a while. It's yeah. I mean, I'm like that arc where the bus blows up is the best that book ever gets. Sorry to the Academy X freaks. You know, I love you. I just don't get it. But the DJ got what he deserved. (laughs) The real uh, thing, though, is that that the the worst part of that whole arc is that Strikers in it. 
because I just don't think he works as like a recurring supervillain. God he loves doesn't. and kills two and extreme is terrible. And that Greg Pak weapon X story is also not great. Uh, do William Stryker I- does not appear in this comic. He doesn't. Be- so we're, we're way ahead of the game already. Uh, also not appearing in this comic is any of the stuff from the Frank Terry weapon X, which Frank and I have become friendly and he, there's a great picture of us on my Instagram with him flipping me the bird because I've talked so much shit about weapon X on my podcast. And he's like, they wanted a villain book. I wrote a villain book. They wanted it to be dark and boy, howdy was it? Uh, Oh, listen, listen, (laughs) you, you uh, don't have to tell me twice. I think we have covered one weapon X story on this podcast so far in the six years we've been doing it. I can't blame you. I skip it almost every time I can, but like at some point I have to do wild child and Aurora who are characters I haven't covered yet. And it's just going to be unfun. But anyway, this weapon X, which is the first series titled weapon X. It's a lot uh, more fun. It's pretty good. I quite liked this. And it actually felt to me like my biggest note, as I said to Larry Hama, is you can't just like fridge Mariko Yoshida. And so Mariko Yoshida's all over this. And it feels almost oh, yeah. like he regretted killing her off. <laughs> it is it is a book about Weapon X, who is the Logan of this universe. Uh there's a different character named Wolverine that's unrelated to all of this, very confusingly. Uh but don't worry about that at all. No. No, we're not going to we are not covering X-Men Chronicles on this. No, we're sure not. Uh, But he and his living girlfriend, Jean Grey, are working with the Human High Council to figure out, you know, how do they deal with a problem like Apocalypse? Right. So to to explain what that is, I'm sorry, I I just I by nature have to do this. (laughs) I have to contextualize things. I can't help myself. But so the Human High Council are the body in Europe, which is now Eurasia, that has formed to unite humankind against Apocalypse, who's conquered America and made this mutant fascist state. It is led by a fascinating group of characters. It's mm-hmm. Brian Brian Braddock. No mention is ever made of Betsy, which is in interesting the entirety to me. of the original AOA. Right, because all the telepaths were killed by Apocalypse is something we're told very early on. Mm-hmm. So that's just, but it's never mentioned. So Brian's here. Moira McTaggart is here, but she's Moira McTaggart Trask, married to Bolivar Trask. Brian is funding the production of the Trask Sentinels, which are humanity's last defense against Apocalypse. And the other two members of the Human High Council are Mariko Yoshida, who's representing basically East Asia's interests in the council, and Emma Frost, who has lobotomized herself to remove her telepathy so that she counts as a human. That and to protect yourself from the Shadow King. Rules. I love that idea for Emma. That is I like that great. the way it's drawn by Kubert in this is that she has half of her head is just bald and there's a scar in the shape of an X where she took out her mutant power, which is wild. It's just like a wild choice. And this is right at the start, basically, of Gen X. Like, we're yeah, not far the book into had four Gen issues. X. So she is a character we know more as a villain. So it, when we are in Age of Apocalypse and we see her here, we're like, oh, okay, Emma and Bolivar Trask. And then we're like, and Brian Braddock and Mariko Yoshida and Moira? Like, it's a very, because for newer readers, 
the idea of Moira McTaggart being a bad guy was pretty Moira, shocking. <laughs> Moira would never <laughs> gaslight and then wear her boyfriend as a human skin suit. Right, Moira would in, never. In 1995. Moira would never betray all she ever knew in an attempt to ascend to the phalanx and become one with the universe. That's just not a thing she would do, right? So uh, here it's shocking that she's married to Bolivar Trask. But also what's shocking is that in this reality, Bolivar Trask has got a point. Like the 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 Human High Council are good guys here, which is twisted. But they're the good Sentinels guys. do seem very rational at this point. <laughs> but they're also good guys who have decided that the nuclear option literally is the way to go. Gene and Weapon X are working as mutant operatives of the Human High Council because they quit the X-Men after Magneto refused to launch a mission to rescue Gene from the breeding pits, which is where Gene's DNA was harvested to create Nate Gray in the pages of X-Men, but more importantly is where she met Cyclops, which is what compels Cyclops to start betraying. It, that all doesn't and super matter. And Cyclops releases her, they, they, they end up hanging out together. Yeah, so Wolverine went in by himself to rescue her, succeeded in rescuing her, took Cyclops' eye out, but Cyclops cut his arm off. So he has like a stump with metal over Wolverine it. Wolverine with a stump rules. It's really cool. And it has, there's a great reveal at the very end, right? So Weapon X here is a book mostly about initially because Gene hops around between titles, but it's right. more about Logan and Gene working for the Human High Council as the Human High Council prepares to nuke Manhattan, which is Apocalypse's base of operations right. and end Apocalypse forever. Gene isn't down with the nuclear plan because it's going to kill lots of innocent people. And the Human High Council is like, listen, we got to take out mutant Hitler who's immortal. Sorry. We're, like, we're there's a little no, bit like, past it at this We've point. kind of run out of options, and the people who are going to die, quite honestly, probably a mercy if they're living under the boot of Apocalypse in the breeding pits. So we're not feeling super bad about it. They, they have a lot of stuff that's going on with this. They have a a bit of the exile from Manhattan because the human high council does work with the X-Men to get as many humans and sympathetic mutants away from Manhattan before they blow this up as possible. Uh, but then, Oh, by the way, you know who would show up? It's the pretty boys, the Reavers. They call themselves pretty boys here, but, but yes, They're, but yes, pretty... it's, Don, it's Donald Pierce and his friends. The Reavers are, bad obviously they are working for apocalypse which is interesting to me because donald pierce hates mutants in he's just our doing reality. it for kicks yeah he's, he's just he's like oh i want to so be scary in age of apocalypse like he is fully he's not uh, a dandy in this no. he is it's like he is. Uh, just a crazy cyborg monster he is um, they they wrote to adam kubert go have fun with this one yeah just have fun with this one, one. Um, so Gene ends up leaving to warn people about the nuke because she's just not down and Logan can't bring himself to kill her. So he lets her go. Mariko. Nice yeah. And like it's a helicopter cute. or a plane, right? Whatever. It doesn't. Yeah. They, she's like, kill me quick if you're going to do it. And he won't do it. So she flies away. And then, um, 
a bunch of apocalypse operatives, including the Reavers, but also like a box and copycat. Like I love the the weird pulls in Age of Apocalypse of just like characters who show up. A bunch of weird ones show up. Can I tell you my favorite pull in this? Yeah, when I, it it caught me. I forgot this happens in it. In the first issue of this, one of the first antagonists to show up is Magma, who yes. immediately gets stabbed and dies. Magma one page. in reality is a gigantic flop, like a bigger flop than she ever. She's Apocalypse's assassin. She tries to kill Brian Braddock and Logan just claws her in the back and she dies instantly. Great. She goes, my life means nothing. More will come. And I'm like, your life truly does mean nothing, Magma, because you were in and out in about four panels. It was, I, I cackled. I had forgotten how quickly she gets taken out. <laughs> so after Jean abandons them, Logan is having some moments with Mariko that are nice. We learn that in this reality, she and Logan still were close in some way, but it, it appears that they never had a romantic relationship. They never, they never had a secret love baby, for sure. Right, yeah. So, it, well, they didn't have a secret love baby in our reality either. They didn't, but they do actually have a secret love baby in the Age of Apocalypse. Oh, is that in one of the follow-ups? Yeah, that's, in, that's, in, that's in the, that's, yes. It's oh, in, is that Kirika? Yeah, that's Kirika, buddy. Right. That's oh, that's a, that's Age of Apocalypse. Age X23. of Apocalypse X twenty three is right is a biological daughter with Marika. I forgot about that. Yeah, I. Uh, that's in that's in the two thousand five ten year anniversary Age of Apocalypse story. I don't know how you could forget the story where we meet Age of Apocalypse Zorn. Well, and yeah, I haven't forgotten that part because it ruins Gen Next, which was... It does. The, yeah, which is just astounding. Uh, and then also features Age of Apocalypse Betsy suddenly, who is Asian. She's just a ninja. Anyway, after Gene abandons... Gene, so Gene abandons Logan. Yes, and Logan goes to Mount Wondagore for reasons. And it turns out that the reason is because he needs to meet up with Carol Danvers. Um, well, I guess that's not why he goes. It doesn't But he hard. ends up. <laughs> but he ends up there. He Carol's up there. there. And we meet Gateway, who in this universe is super chatty because he was brought to America by anthropologists uh, in a sort of sinister thing that is just not elaborated upon. It's like, oh, okay. But so Carol's been watching Gateway on Mount Wondegore as Gateway tries to become the repository of all human knowledge before it's wiped out by Apocalypse. Sure. Um, meanwhile, back at the uh, Human High Council base, everyone's like, Brian sure seems crazy lately, huh? Just me? Anybody else feel like Brian's going a little crazy? Um, he is trying to destroy the world. Yeah, he's I mean, like, for let's great, do all the nukes. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that Brian Braddock is being possessed. Has been possessed by... It's It's a really abrupt thing in the fourth issue where it's like Donald Pierce reveals that Apocalypse... Like first it's like, Brian Braddock is the traitor among you. And he is, but then it's like, because we implanted something in his head that's been affecting his mind. And he's like, Emma, I tried to resist it. But then as he dies in her arms, he goes, but I was only human. Listen, it's, it's a Larry Hama writing right there. It's good. It's good. Honestly, it's pretty good. Um, Carol dies fighting the Reavers. And then 
uh, Gateway decides, okay, I'll come with you to help the Human High Council. And that leads into the fourth issue where Carol comes back now as a Reaver an and controlled Reaver by Donald Pierce. And they have to, and she has to beg Logan to kill her, which is like classic Logan stuff. It's, it's every love interest at this point. Yeah, so uh, I like Age of Apocalypse Carol, though. She's fun. She's great. She's got the face tattoos like everyone needs to have an Age of Apocalypse. She wears yeah. a baseball cap. And her face tattoo is like the Ms. Marvel domino mask, which I think is cool. Um, it's cool. I like yeah. I like that Carol gets, gets a moment to remember that, yeah, she was an X-Men character for a while. Right. Uh, and, like, this is Carol at her most, like, I'm a fun X-Men character vibe like you know when she was living in rogue's head or when she was a ghost that haunted wolverine during the siege perilous era or you know all of that stuff fun is the word i would use to describe this weapon x it's it's very much in the larry hama vein of not planning one or two panels ahead of uh what he was scripting at the time yeah no it, it is just a twist every three pages but every time i'm like sure like i never have a problem with it you know he, he and it's a the, beautiful synthesis of being able to ride out those weird weird changes yeah and the human high council scenes are all really fun to me it has like that game of thrones succession immortal x-men kind of vibe of like here's a scene of a bunch of people talking to each other which i always enjoy in a comic mm -hmm. book uh, you know, it's it's like a Hellfire Club meeting. It's like that kind of vibe, which I always dig. And uh, it's a good showing for Emma in a way that sort of predicts the more heroic Emma that we're about to get over the course of the rest of the 90s. So that's cool. It's, you know, a lot of people look overlook the Wolverine books and a thing. And you know what? I like this one. I think this one's yeah, fun. Yeah, I think it's really good. You shouldn't miss it. It's very 90s. It's extremely 90s. But like, for here's the thing. If I'm going to read a 90s Wolverine comic, I'm going to meet it where it lives. I'm not going to ask it to be something that it's not. And I'm going to rate it as a 90s Wolverine comic. Not yes. like, I'm not going to compare it to life death because that isn't what it is. You know what I mean? So for what it is, I think this is a really great 90s Wolverine comic. It is. I don't think it's the greatest 90s Wolverine comic. No. I think it is It is one of the highlights of Larry Hama's time. Like, I think it's better than Factor X. It is better than Factor X, for sure. I'm trying to think of where it should go, then, uh, on this list. Is this better than uh, Steal This Planet from New Mutants Annual? No. Oh, no, no, this is, wait. What annual? That's Annual that's, 1, right? That's Annual 1, Steal This Planet. Yeah, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I forgot for a second what that. Yeah, Steel is playing. It's better. Do you like this better or worse than uh, at two twenty four right now? Is the Howard Mackey Rogue from the nineties? The that's the Belladonna and Kandra yeah. like Thieves Guild stuff. That one's better yeah. than this. I I would agree. Do you think this is better or worse than Uncanny X Men two thirty one? That time that Colossus pretended to be a ghost. That issue is better than this. Okay, that's I. But I really so. like that issue. It's a good issue. Um. How do you feel about That's this? That's the last one Annie Nascenti edited before Bob Harris took over. That is the last one. Mm -hmm. Huh. How do you feel about this compared to Age of Apocalypse 1 through 4 and Uncanny X-Force 19.1? That is the start of the uh, Latham Age of Apocalypse. This is better than that. Okay, so we have found the right... Re is this better or worse than Earthfall, the brood Outback story? Uh, that's better than this. Okay. 
Uh, Justice for Hannah Conover, the brood queen. One day she may enter heaven. Yeah, I mean, listen, when God and all his all his kingdom sings, will the brood queen not be among her number? God's in his heaven, the brood queen's in her heaven, and all's right with the world. <laughs> Folks, if you don't have any idea what we're don't talking about. Don't worry about it. Just it's don't. Fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But I'll tell you, this, this Jerry Duggan, Kelly Thompson brood arc in X-Men and Captain Marvel, every time the brood queen gets listed, I'm like, will she finally get to heaven? <laughs> it's all I want. It's all the people want to know. I, I, look at, I look at a picture of the brood queen at the gates of heaven every day in my office. It, it is, is just, it delights me endlessly. And I hope they let Chris write it. I really do. These I, historical minis that Chris has been doing, I think they're great. The Gambit, the new Extreme X-Men, they're insane, but they're, they're wonderful. They are but I'm loving them. Like, let's give us Chris Claremont's Brood Queen miniseries. I would see, read it that I would second. buy. I would buy that in a heartbeat. Is this better or worse than all new, all new Wolverine Orphans of X? This is better than that. Okay. So that's where it goes, right between those two stories at our new 244. It is AOA Weapon X. That works for me. Okay, good. It's my list. Is Orphans of X the red right hand or the one with Wolverine's? It's the fake red right hand. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't especially like either, but I'm trying, I was it's trying got, to remember that which one. one ball but... art. That, that's it's the part that works for me. Beautiful, beautiful gowns. Beautiful. I'm, not, I'm not denying that it has great gowns. I have. This is this is a safe space to say that you did not like the Tom Taylor Wolverine as much as some people did. We have already bridged that gap. On yeah, I didn't. I I mean, I I will say it made me like Laura more because I it had. Did? I mean, I came into Laura with NYX, so I had a real bad taste in my mouth about that character for a really long time. Um, and then you know, Academy X didn't do a ton to make me more. Neither did Kyost X Force. So th- that, it was Kyost X Force wasn't your jam. I cannot believe that. That's I, I, I know. I know. I know. It's like shocking that that book just wouldn't be my cuppa, right? I mean, I do enjoy Necrotia. Yeah, that makes sense. All because this, it's uh, camp. It's just like it, stupid, but in a way that I enjoy. It's it's a lot. Uh, there's a, one last book that's a lot here. Is the last of the main. Age of Apocalypse uh, And this stories. one's my favorite, which I told him at the beginning, and he was shocked. It's just because it's a mess. Oh, and that's for fine. fully. But here's the thing about me, and this is just a fact. 90s Warren Ellis comics. I love that shit. And, like, obviously he has behaved badly, and there's an ongoing conversation about that. And But the point is, before I knew about any of that bad behavior... All I knew was that he was one of my favorite writers of the 90s because 90s comics are not super my jam, but like I love Hellstorm, the completely insane Damon Hellstrom book that he did. I loved and subscribed to Ellis Excalibur, which does not hold up a ton on reread, I have discovered. It's, it's It's a clunky book. It is just not very good. But here's the thing that's important for people to know now, if you were not a child in the 90s who loved Excalibur, uh, the Scott Lobdell Excalibur is one of the worst comics imaginable coming off of the Alan Davis run. Truly horrid. 
So for Ellis to come in and Excalibur to suddenly be pretty good again made it feel like the sun had come out and like everything was going to be fine. Plus lots of Amanda Sefton content, a little bit of Margali Sardish content, lots of Pete Wisdom who like, yes, the relationship with Kitty is inappropriate, but I was a child, so I didn't realize that. And also- No I one realized hot. it. Well, Warren Should Ellis didn't realize it because he thought That's that Kitty problem. was a college student by then and editorial didn't point out that she was actually 16. So she's just not anymore. Um, doesn't really matter. The point is I was subscribed. Like the one title that came to my house because I cut the thing out of the- comic and sent it in was that i got the i got excalibur to my house every month so i also got excalibur when asia like whereas the other age of apocalypse things i would like pick them up if i was at the Mm -hmm. pharmacy or whatever the newsstand but like excalibur came right to my house and the most important thing that i can explain to anybody who wants to understand is that excalibur stars a character called damask and Damask is serving beep every minute of this miniseries. I have so much of this and our reaction to this character has now made our reaction to this book make complete sense. Yeah, I love her. I long to give her 616 version the code name and like make her an actual villain that people use. I think this character rules. So... If you are not here for the emancipation of Damas, which is the larger character arc over the course of Excalibur, <laughs> I would understand being like, what the fuck is this? Why? I just don't understand why this Excalibur book, by issue three, half of the team is just random characters that no one has ever cared about. They don't exist. I mean, like, that's the they thing don't. that's fascinating. Right, like, Switchback and Damask are both entirely new characters who have not... Like, the premise of Age of Apocalypse is, here is the twisted versions of all of our friends, except Warren Ellis is like, oh, I think I'm just going to invent some of my own, and just does, and, like, doesn't give a shit. Switchback has never appeared on Earth 616. When I was reading at the time, because I was subscribed to Excalibur, I thought she was supposed to be P- wisdom's boss from black air who is also a mysterious platinum blonde but if she is they never make the connection mysterious platinum blondes however are just like dime a, a dozen in right. well, yeah. particularly in excalibur yeah like you've got i mean that's it. it was if you told me switchback was the age of apocalypse's courtney ross i would completely buy it except that she's a mutant Uh, Switchback is cool, though. She has the power to rewind her own personal timeline by a couple seconds to a minute, which I it's the It's the power thing from Galaxy Quest. Yeah, but this is before Galaxy Quest, so good for this comic, in my opinion. But anyway, we should should explain the actual plot of Excalibur. We're calling it Excalibur Excalibur because it's X hyphen Calibur spelled the British way, so R-E. It's so... Of all the titles, this one, like... It walks the line between brilliant and stupid. It's just stupid enough for me. And it's about Nightcrawler, Kurt Darkuma, who will later be an important character in that book you love, Uncanny X Wars. I think it has warts. Let's <laughs> let's pause it there. I still enjoy it. I can see the problems. Um 
Anyway, long before he is Rick Remender's plaything for a couple years, he is the star of this story, which is about his attempts to get refugees from America to Avalon, the secret tropical paradise that we know as the Savage Land, but which in Age of Apocalypse is Avalon, the haven created by destiny. Mystique... Kurt's mother, whom he has a fraught relationship with, much in much like in our timeline, is the main person who like coyotes people to Avalon because she is the only person on Earth who knows what destiny looks like without her mask on. Right. It's a uh, it's an interesting plot. And what I also happens- love Destiny. Like, that's the other yeah. thing about this book. And she'd been dead for a while. So it was super cool that she was alive See, in this. And just, it's just, Destiny was a nothing character. She was. Also, the Savage Land. We're in the Savage Land. And it's but a we cool, don't get, we, we but don't it's a cool get place that qu- Destiny runs. That's it's awesome. Cool. We don't get the quantity of dinosaurs that. And her adopted son is Doug Ramsey. Yeah, okay. You know what? The it's more cool. I'm thinking about this comic, I get why you enjoy this one. <laughs> and the I whole thing, it. the whole thing is that they come to Destiny because Bishop has told them all that the timeline's not real and they need Destiny to confirm it with her power by meeting with Bishop. Right. Because Mag- Magneto is willing to sacrifice his entire reality for the greater good. But he yes. does want to double check on that. Before one, he does fair. it. Before they hop into the Macron crystal and do all the whatever. He's like, the can, big, we, can, we, can we get Destiny real quick? Yeah. Yeah. The big resolution in Omega is that. Destiny and Ilyana Rasputina, and a, I, I forget if there's another one. The people who are dead in our reality right, have they can, to like, they have to sacrifice themselves to the Macron crystal to like reset time or whatever. Sure. So, whatever. The point is, one of the things that was cool about Age of Apocalypse was these characters who had died really tragically on page suddenly being back so you have destiny who is here you have doug who is with destiny and raven is so jealous that destiny has this adopted son that she didn't know about there's lots of stuff subtextually here in raven and irene's relationship that's also interesting if you were invested in that which i was i was the one on the playground trying to convince the other kids that mystique had a girlfriend which was just like a real uphill battle if you want to read more about that i have an essay from last year's pride trade paperback where i talk about that experience that's but, that's the marble voices pride go yeah. check it out but so the bottom line is they're there to get destiny to come back and communicate this there's also a cool uh, her like ascetic follower is juggernaut who has become like brother kane i love juggernaut and has as a declared design. himself like a peaceable like he he refuses to do violence and in toward the end of the story when he has to do violence it he has such a conflict over it that he has an aneurysm and dies which is just a really great i, I think it's great it's Again, it walks the very fine line between brilliant and stupid for me. Yeah, but I mean, I think it lands on the right side. And it's also super grim. Like, Callisto shows up as a pirate at one point, and the refugees who Nightcrawler has been trying to ferry, the like, she kills all She's of them. been killing a lot of people. Just- <laughs> they all die of hypothermia when they are vented into the sea. It is really dark. Um the name Excalibra, we learn, comes from Mystique's bullets, which have X's carved into them. 
She she made custom bullets. But also the submarine they're using is called the Excalibur, spelled like the regular book Excalibur. Yeah, it's uh they were really forcing this title in there. As it's much fine. As it, I don't care. Uh, Night, Doug, I mean, Nightcrawler was the lead of Excalibur. At this he time. was at the time. So it, and it it's, it's the Nightcrawler book. book. And it makes sense. And everything else about it is just what are, like build an Age of Apocalypse story around Nightcrawler. It doesn't have anything else to do with Excalibur. Brian Braddock's in Weapon X. Like, it's not. There's there's nothing else Excalibur. And Kitty's well, in Gen well, Next. Doug. Like, so, I guess you know, Doug was a, Doug was a Doug player Locke in Excalibur. At the time, right. But it wasn't really Doug. But we didn't know that yet. So it was. Right. So. Um, the, pale, the pale riders go after him. Uh, yes, Apocalypse sure. is assassins. The pale riders. So, well, actually, first, <laughs> and this part sucks. First, <laughs> Kurt goes to see the ghost dance, which is John Proudstar's Native American underground railroad that ferries people to Avalon. Right, and I, but I can't help but love that because it reminds me of the appropriative ghost dance that Warpath teaches everyone in Kyo's. X Force in Necrotia to defeat Selene. It it throws me off so hard when I read this in 1995. And like Warren Ellis, at least he looked at what historically the words ghost dance that, yeah, meant. This actually, yes, no, it's stupid because it's very much a like plot device, mystical Native American thing that's happening here. It but is. unlike the Necrotia one, where it's a really stupid plot device, mystical Native American thing. Here, it's actually grounded in the historical nature of the ghost dance, which yeah, is interesting. Would... And in, like, the idea of this Native American community refusing, even though Proudstar is a mutant, to ally themselves with Apocalypse because they see him as an oppressor. And that, I think, is really cool. It's a great idea. Unfortunately, they've been infiltrated by Danny Moonstar of the Pale Riders, who in the Age of Apocalypse reality is a full-on psychopath. Uh, So, (laughs) In yet of the Pale Riders, like, she she is not the most psychopathic of them. I disagree, actually. Damask does stab Danny in the face when she gets a little too annoying. Because Danny keeps carving into Deadpool and watching him heal, and Deadpool thinks that they're like best friends, and Danny is just torturing him relentlessly for kicks, and Damask finds it irritating. It's not, she doesn't find it morally irritating. <laughs> it's not that it's morally bad. She's, she's just, just like, this annoyed is, by this. Child. You're annoying. Right. Um, Damask has the power of psionic skinning, which means that she creates blades of psychic energy that she can use to peel the layers of your mind like an onion, causing you permanent damage to your brain with her psychic assault. And because of her defensive blades, she is completely immune to all telepathy. She is all in with Apocalypse because she is the prized pupil of the Shadow King, who is the only telepath otherwise, like traditional telepath, because she's not otherwise a telepath. She's not reading minds or anything. The only, because karma is also around because she possessed people, but like you can't, no mind readers were allowed. And so the Shadow King is the only one and Damask was his like prized pupil. So when they get to Avalon, 
she has a complete nervous breakdown because she sees humans and mutants living in harmony as part of Destiny's dream, which is like she realizes flowers dream. exist. And that yeah, really like she's never seen flowers before. She's never like she's never because Apocalypse is America is like a hyper it's, it's industrialized wasteland. Yeah, it's, it's, liter- it's with with like a it's Blade of Runner. You know, like it's all of that. So I feel like Blade Runner is a nicer place to live. Blade, like, Blade Runner has Runner- some flowers in it, but you get what I'm saying. It's all yeah. of those cyber it's shadow run it's all of those like cyberpunk dystopias so she sees the beauty of nature and the ability of people to be kind to one another and she's like oh my god we can do that yeah she's like i've been fucking up my entire life and so she immediately betrays the pale riders kills deadpool and switches sides and joins excalibra and i love it i eat it up i love this crazy woman she fights the shadow king and she psionically skins him into complete catatonia because the student has become the master now farouk and it fucking whips if i was invested in her in her story in her journey i would agree with you this is her only story but i, I and, know, I, and, I, and, and I am invested in it she later turns up in our reality as Mrs. Steed, the Black Queen of the London Hellfire Club. Later, oh in my God, she does. Yeah, and then um, Mockingbird fought her in one of those Mockingbird solos recently, which was like a real deep pull. It was the London Hellfire Club. I did not read. That. I read that because. Damask was in it, and I got a. I unfortunately, love that for you. I'm a hand so happy for named you. her Emma Steed as like an as like an Emma Peel and John right. Steed joke. But you can't have two queens of the Hellfire Club named Emma. I think that that's confusing. So if I were ever to get the chance to just fix that, I would call her Diana Steed after Diana, Diana Rigg, Rigg. Who played Emma Peel. But you know what are you gonna do? Those are yeah. from the Avengers, the the British for people listening. The the one Chris Claremont really liked, and then the one that all the one that Chris Claremont watched as an impressionable child and built his entire sexuality on. God bless him. Which lots of men his age did. Diana Rigg shaped an entire generation of young men. Diana Diana Rigg, y'all know that Kate Bishop uh, with the hip cutout thing. Darren Ring was doing that in the 60s. In the 60s. And she also, at one point, dresses up in a corset and bondage gear to infiltrate an evil, nefarious sex cult called the Hellfire Club, starring actor, what's his name, Wingard. So it's like, it's very, yeah. Anyway, all that to say... Uh, I love this story, but I understand that you're not going to rank it as highly as I am because my love for it is mostly predicated on the fact that it's full of divas doing hot gay shit that's not gay, but just like r- makes my gay brain it, it, it's ASMR got, it's got vibrate. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I get it. I, it's I a bunch of drag it. queens in a very 90s insane book where they kill each other and it's fun. See, that's the beauty of the Age of Apocalypse. There's something for everybody. Yes, there really is. And I'll tell you, when I was a little gay child receiving this in the mail, I was thrilled. I'll tell you my opinion of this. I was nervous it's... because I we didn't know at the time that everything was going to come back. Like, they told right. us, this is the X-Men now, and I believed it because I'm, what, like, seven? So I was well, very like, concerned. There wasn't, there wasn't the same solicit culture that there was. Like, solicits at that time were... 
your comic shop owner got the stuff so he knew what to buy, which is what they were. Right. Or you had to like buy wizard or you had to buy like the Marvel previews catalog, which was a physical catalog that you had to order. And I'm not ordering that. I'm a child. No, it's like, give me, give me the ones with, give me the ones with Nightcrawler. I want the ones with the X-Men in them and especially Excalibur because those are my favorites. So I was waiting my whole life for like Damask and Switchback to matter. And then they never did. Never really, never really got there. Uh, I think the story is a little messy uh, in the way that most of Ellis's Excalibur oh, is. Oh, yeah. It's, a, I think, it's, it's very of a piece with Ellis Excalibur as a whole. But I think being in his own, not just like in this alternate reality, but in a sector of it that he completely yeah. builds himself makes it work better for me than most of his mainstream Excalibur stuff does. Because I find that a lot of his like regular Excalibur work doesn't jive easily with the x-men franchise you know what i mean that's like happening around it how do you feel about this compared to warren ellis excalibur 91 the time they went to that bar that's better than this that's That's probably his best issue you know it's that's pretty much that's where i am looking at that uh how do you feel about this though compared to fatal attractions the whole of fatal attractions that means the good and the terrible yeah, that's I was gonna say taken as a whole this is probably better than Fatal Attractions but that seems unfair because it's only four issues and Fatal Attractions is so many writers and parts we of it made the stuck. decision about what Fatal Attractions was six years ago we are not changing now okay if if we have to include all of Fatal Attractions in one then this is better than that is this better than the uh, wedding of Kitty and Colossus in X-Men Gold yes so it's your here's boy what I'll say Marky Mark Googs. Googity Goog. <laughs> Love that guy. Hate X-Men Gold. Um, bad he, book. Yeah, well, here's the problem. I hate the wedding of Kitty and Colossus, except for the way it ends in the last, like, page. But everything else about it, I'm like, God. So I think I enjoy this more. And it wasn't going to end with her rejecting him at the altar until Donny Cates randomly suggested that in a meeting. Bud, bud, I... I I have historically had a lot of lot of qualms with Donny Cates' writing, and yet I will always forgive the man. Uh, Donny Cates will always this. have a shooter in me because he prevented that marriage from taking place. He, so he stood up and said, "That's dumb. Can we do something else?" He said, "Can what we do if? something where they don't get married?" And I'm like, "Thank God, save, that someone save in the room Kitty said Pride that for for the rest so of time." Much. Yeah. So, um. I would say I like this better than the wedding of Cyclops of of, of a Kitty and Colossus because how do you, I only how like do you the feel end about of it. it. How do you feel about it compared to that time that Juggernaut thought he killed Dazzler? On that's accident? better. That's better than this. Um, what is annual eighteen? I have no idea. Uncanny eight annual eighteen. That is the oh, that is the one. 1994 annual where they go into the Morlock tunnels with a captured saber tooth. This is better than that. This is way better than that. Okay, great. Then this is this is our new 269. Perfect. Okay. Chic. Chic. I am I am so glad that we could get through this. I am glad that you know what? I know a lot of these stories. Sometimes people send in stories it's like, oh, this was my favorite story as a kid. And then me and Adam have to sit there and say, you had terrible taste as a child. Right. Yeah, no. My I'm favorite, glad that there is someone who can enjoy this one. My favorite that's happened to me on that score is when Fabian was on my, Fabian Nicieza, for the listeners, if they're not familiar, was on my personal my show. best friend, Fabian Nicieza. Yeah. 
I just call him Uncle. I call him Uncle Fabes at this point. Um, we're just close like that. But he, uh, I was just talking about how much I loved Revanche and how much I loved that whole storyline. He was like, "I think it's adorable that you care," and because like he was like, people come up to me at my signings, and I'm just like, "That's the worst piece of shit I ever wrote," but I'll sign it for you, and that's a great attitude to have. I think Fabian Nicieza does not have a lot of preciousness i was gonna say he's not precious he's not precious about his work for hire no there's stuff there is stuff he's proud of new warriors he's pretty precious about i would say but that's the one warriors is very long and if i haven't started it now it's gonna be a while i just got the volume two omnibus i think i've got all the nicias's stuff now in hardcover which most of it I haven't read, but here's the problem. The hoi polloi decided I have to care about Firestar now. So now I've got to do a fucking Firestar episode at some point, which means even though this is not a New Warriors podcast, I feel like I got to read some key issues, right? Yeah, you got to read New Warriors and you got to read Avengers. It, it is like, I, I've read the Busick Avengers. In. I've read the Busick Avengers. So that part right. I had already read. That's why I don't like her ass. Because she and Justice suck. <laughs> but you do get to read Marvel Divas where she gets killed. I, I have read Marvel Divas. Love Marvel Divas. I have an elaborate fantasy in which I am tapped to write Marvel Divas Volume 2. I cannot imagine Marvel Divas Volume 2 existing. Ever. But if it did, I want to write it. More power to you. More power so to you. So, Marvel, if you're listening, that would be a fun Infinity comic. Again, I mean, like, TMTM, TM, do not steal. They'll figure yeah, it out. Figure yeah, it out. I'm just saying. Anyway. Connor, w- if people enjoyed all of the excitement and energy that you brought to the Age of Apocalypse <laughs> this week, <laughs> where can people find you and everything you do? I am the host of the podcast Cerebro, which is a weekly deep dive on every X-Men character with more than 12 appearances, which is a complete Zaladane. Uh the we do a different character every week i have a guest every week who is relevant to the character's experience or who just loves the character or whatever else we have a lot of fun it's very long yeah uh, folks but it's in segments every time connor's on here it's like a little bit of a longer episode that's because we're reining it in right i'm really working hard on this show to yeah but like cerebro tends to run three plus hours um, but it, it's in segments that you can, you know, you can divvy them up. Uh, I'm very proud of it. It's, uh, it's taken off in a way I really did not anticipate at all, but, um, I love what I do and I hope you'll check it out if you'd like to, uh, you can find everything about it at cerebrocast.com. You also can find out about my work generally at connorgoldsmith.com. I am a literary agent, uh, in the comic space, my best-known clients are probably Teeny Howard and Steve Orlando, but uh, I do mostly work in sci-fi fantasy horror. Um, my biggest, my most recent like big client novel was Manhunt by Gretchen Fucker Martin, which I'm extraordinarily proud of, and I'm extremely proud of Gretchen, and I hope people will check that out if you like horror or apocalyptic dystopian it nightmares is, like the age of apocalypse it is on my it is on my to read list it's a rough one though just for the, for the listeners bud, it's, it's, bud. i sold I it and there are pages ones. where i have to go like ooh, you know i um, love rough ones but yeah and then the rest of my work is mostly nonfiction. uh i work with a lot of 
Bravo reality talent, some of the Real Housewives, that kind of stuff. So it's an eclectic life that I lead. But basically, I've found ways to turn all of my obsessive interests into things that theoretically make me money. And that is what I think all people should do if they can. So you're living uh, the dream. Uh, hopefully. I mean, I could be making more money. That would be nice. <laughs> but... We'll see how it all comes together. But yeah, so uh, just check it out. Cerebrocast.com, Cerebrocast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Dream of Organon, but I don't really use it very much anymore because Twitter sucks now. And uh, that's about it. Thank you so much, Zach, for having me. Uh, Zach did an episode of Cerebro on Nate Gray that's a ton of fun. It's the only one he hasn't listened to because he's I a weirdo. I went back and listened to it. it did you? Fun. Isn't it good? It's really it good. Was, I went back and I was like, okay, that's fine. See, I, I, I tell everybody who like someone will bring up and I'm sure you've seen this happen with your show. Someone will bring up, Oh, do you remember this thing you said? And you're like, no, no, I don't remember this at all. I lived it. At this point, recording episode 96 this week of a really long show. Yeah. I have forgotten most of it, but that's, I also just have bad long-term memory. Like I, people I've known for 20 years, they'd be like, remember in high school when you, and I'm like, no, I simply don't. <laughs> like my mind has, cleaned that out to protect me so i just i barely remember things i did last week so it's just not it's an adhd lifestyle that i just can't really you know but anyway thank you for having me this was super thank fun it was for... fun to talk about the aoa because i almost never do and uh it was fun to sing the praises of damask so i'm, I'm I glad that the folks, opportunity i'm glad you were able to come on folks uh if you want to follow the show you don't know how to do that adam will be back next week uh, and we are going to be. And you're missed, about... Adam. Adam was supposed to be here. I thought Adam I was, was going to get the full experience, here. but something came up. It was. It, he's he's doing doing all right. Uh, just had a. He conflict. just has such a pleasant radio voice, and I always enjoy. Listen, it's it's half of the reason why I tolerated editing this podcast for so long. <laughs> uh, but next week, folks, uh, you're gonna stay out of the six one six. And we're moving into a beautiful world. That is the world of the year 2099. Until then, folks, it's not. Until then, folks, 616. We hope you survive the experience. It's 616. Get it!